Welcome, my name is Paul Redford. I am the Vice President for University Communications and Secretary of the University Corporation at St. Lawrence University in Canton, New York. I also have the distinct honor of serving as the Vice President of CoverApp. So now I want to introduce our uh, session on digital leadership. Uh, behind the scenes, Dr. Josie Alquist. She's a tremendous asset to our profession, and we are so excited to have her here uh, leading this conversation. She has an extensive career in speaking, coaching, teaching, consulting, all on digital leadership. She has had work appear in publications too numerous to mention, although they're all listed here if I wanted to read them to you. And her book, Digital Leadership in Higher Education, Purposeful Social Media in a Connected World, was listed as Amazon number one new release for college and university student life. She received her doctorate in higher ed leadership from Cal Lutheran University. Quick side note, a beautiful school if you ever get a chance to visit Cal Lutheran. Uh, master's in counseling from Northern Arizona and a BA in sociology and human development and family studies from South Dakota State. Prior to her independent past, Josie spent nearly 15 years on college campuses uh, she served in areas of student leadership, student activities, res life, student affairs, communications, marketing, and currently serves as a research associate and instructor at Florida State University Leadership Learning Research Institute. You can find out all sorts of other information and connect with her at her website or on her social media accounts. We are so fortunate to have her and others join us today. So without further ado, welcome, Josie. I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Paul. It's so wonderful to join everyone here today. Um, again, my name is Josie. I use she, her pronouns. And while I do um, some teaching and research for Florida State, I am based in Los Angeles, which is really where I would like to start the conversation today. As we are all logging in in a variety of different places around the world, and to situate our work and our time together around place and space. And so I'd like to do that acknowledging the land that we each um, reside on. My workspace today is on the traditional homelands of the Chumash and Tungva people. Acknowledging lands that we sit on is a transformative act that um, helps to undo the intentional erasure of indigenous peoples and is just one step in decolonizing land relations. My two guests today, who I'm going to oodle about in a little bit, um, they're both at University of Arkansas, Fort Smith, and they sit on the native lands of the, of the Caddo, Osage, and Copa nations. I also want to acknowledge the landscape of the industry and where you're logging in today. Today is November 16th, and there is countless articles and tweets and discussion threads about morale and exhaustion, the Great Recession, as you are all so familiar with constant crisis and recalibrating the constant roller coasters that we are on, both in our personal lives as well as in higher ed. And this is also coming upon a celebratory time of year. 
So I also want to acknowledge whatever your own, um, <laughs> all the feels today and all the potential ways you might be pulled away from the conversation today, but also the hope that you can stay tapped in as you're able. And I hope our discussion will be both lively, hopefully even fun. You will get some laughs. Also some tangible tools and conversations that you can have for your teams, with your executives, or just good old with yourself as we look to advance digital leadership and supporting campus executives' social media strategies. So I would love in the chat, let's go ahead and just get her all warmed up because she's uh, she's just primed and ready. Let me know who you are, where you're logging in from. Yeah, just let us know who you are in the chat. Obviously, we can, we can see the participant list. If you're listening on the podcast, you'll just have to tweet at us to let us know that you joined this today. And while you do that, um, I'm just going to give a little context about when CupRap reached out to me about working together on this this session today. A, I was like, I want to play with others <laughs> and I want to have conversations with others and to be able to feature real examples out in the field at a variety of different perspectives. And so that's why our two guests came immediately to mind. I started researching about how the heck leaders were showing up online around 2013 when, you know, we really had only Twitter or Facebook. And at the time I looked at... Uh, vice presidents and student affairs, because I saw a distinct difference between the leaders maybe in my world, which were fairly viscerally against social media. But then you would have a vice president of student affairs at the time, like a Teresa, out engaging in all kinds of digital platforms. And as a researcher, I wanted to see why and the how to be able to scale and to educate as much as I could. And so, of course, that is what led to a book. It informed a lot of my dissertation research about how we need to approach educating college students about social media and their own leadership journey, as well as not just using social media tools for marketing and promotion, but actually tools for community building, which is where Rachel and I have done a lot of work, especially over the last few years. So my goal today is it's, this is while it's called a workshop, it's very much a conversation and you will be part of that conversation, not only, you know, doing reactions and questions in the chat, but we will open up for questions um, toward the end. I want you to see one model in action as we know every campus is different and we also know every executive is different as well. And so what, what works for one president will not necessarily for the next We'll also unpack current opportunities and challenges, and then especially how marketing professionals that you can hone in on your own zone of genius and skill to have support strategies and even serve as coaches to campus leaders. As Paul shared, this is being recorded and will be shared with you as well as through the Volt podcast community in their new series, Volt at, and of course we are at Cup Wrap. Their new live event content series um, for um, through their digital magazine for higher ed marketers. So I've got a number of questions. Um, again, we'll do a Q&A and closing. You are welcome at any point to reach out to all three of us, all on the interwebs from Twitter um, and so on. And I'm also going to take us a little bit chronological so we get a sense of 
transition in the before times, pre-COVID, transition of Teresa as a chancellor and, um, and where we are today. So without any further ado, let me introduce two just amazing women and leaders in the higher ed space. First is Dr. Teresa Riley. She served as chancellor of the University of Arkansas Fort Smith since July of 2019. For nearly 30 years, she's dedicated her career to fostering access, affordability, and success through education. Chancellor Riley leads UAFS with a commitment to open communication, transparency, and shared governance. Dr. Riley believes that social listening is a key to fostering connections with their university community and is an active user of social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, LinkedIn, Discord, and Twitch. It's not normally, I have to take a breath in the middle of platforms with leaders. And so you can find her online with her handle at Teresa Riley. Welcome, welcome, welcome so much. Thank you so much. It's just my pleasure to be here with you. And next, we are joined by Rachel Rodham. Patman is the Associate Director of Strategic Communications at University of Arkansas Fort Smith, and she's worked in higher education since 2014, following close to a decade in journalism. Finding her passion at the intersection of these two fields, she values authentic communications that reach audiences where they are, online, in person, or in print, in order to bring the life-changing power of education into view. I'm so happy to have you here today, Rachel. Thank you, Josie. We are both so excited. Okay, so we have, again, one model of a variety of different models that are out there. And as you are tuning in today, thinking about your current circumstances, whether you are directly um, supporting a chancellor, president, a vice president, or in more of a coaching role, let us potentially know that in the chat too. And that would also give context to the conversation. So while you do that, I'm going to first start with Teresa. So again, I've been following you and writing about you. I'm not stalking you, but you can do that on the internet. And it's totally, it's called social listening. Um, for some time, I found you in your previous roles in student affairs. And I heard about this VP using Snapchat to talk to her students and, and to stay connected. And not only that, but actually using it for social listening. And I said, well, she needs to be in my book and, and all of my blogs. And now you're on this webinar today. So what I didn't realize though, Rachel brought up is that you were a communications major. So maybe this just all, you are one of us. Um, so how has that degree fueled your philosophy and practice as a campus leader? Well, so it's just an honor to be here with you and uh, really thrilling to do this with both you and Rachel, two people I look up to in our communication and higher education. And so just lovely to have us featured here and to get to talk with all of you. So yes, I do have a degree in communication from the University of Missouri, Columbia. So shout out to Mizzou. I got both my bachelor's and master's degrees there and a PhD at St. Louis University. So if we've got any Missourians on the, on the call, hi, and um, everyone else as well. So how did that change how I communicate? Honestly, my degree was in uh, communication, but also with an emphasis in public speaking. And so one of the things that you learn about in communication is, uh, you know, this, the dynamics of your audience. 
and being able to read your audience and to know who your audience is, to try to put yourself in a position where you can anticipate what it is that your audience may be asking, the who, where, why, what, uh, that our you know, journalism friends are constantly asking. And, but to do that in a way that communicates differently, potentially verbally, uh, non-verbally, one-on-one communications or very large groups. So I've had the opportunity then to put that into social media and think about the bigger, broader audience and the context for the things that I do in social media. So I think that's how the the degree has really helped me to think about this more deeply and to be more intentional with my communication. I would love to dig up some photos of Teresa freshman sophomore year. No, no, no those no. have been burned. Just, those have been those burned. Have... Okay, fair, fair, fair. Uh, and Rachel, I'm pretty sure it was probably the Twitterverse, but also probably Liz Gross that connected us. Um, at the time, you were trying, like many marketing professionals, I'm sure tuned in today, to train your executive team on social media. Um, and this was years and years ago. I reached out to you after I heard the news that Teresa was your new chancellor, and I DM'd you that you just won the lottery. And so now every leader and even management team is different. And so what have you learned now coaching multiple different campus leaders over the years? Yeah. So I was actually to tie it all together on a plane to Listen Up Conference where Liz had invited me when we got the announcement that uh, Chancellor Riley had been selected as our new chancellor. So I was like sending press releases from the plane. I had to buy the like $10, 20 minute Wi-Fi. (laughs) And then uh, that's when we first talked. Liz gave me your number. So yeah. It's a full circle. So yeah, as communicators, we have to be so fluid. And I think that is the biggest thing to think about when you are changing who your leader is or when you're changing where you are located. We're always adapting as communicators. We're delivering good news or bad news or we're communicating to students or donors or parents. And that adaptability is really key. And it's something that we already have. And so it's in our toolbox as communicators So pulling that out and saying, okay, how can I use this in my interactions with our new leader? So I've worked with three very different administrations in terms of social media use and social media buy-in. I've been lucky in that all of the administrations I worked for at UAFS understood the value of social media on an institutional level. Um, I think there has never been any question that my role here was important. And so that's been really nice. I've been really lucky in that sense. But when it came to presidential accounts, I really had to step back and look at who each leader was and how I could most effectively support them as individuals. Um, So sometimes that means you write a first draft of every communication because you have a leader who's very analytical and wants to really sit with everything that they send out. And sometimes you get an absolute rock star like Teresa, and you just have to dial into her frequency and kind of run alongside her. Um, So I think just looking at your leader as an individual and and understanding who they are as a person and how you can use your skills, which are valuable and important, to support them and all of the things that they want to do. Tuning into the frequency, that I really, I really like that. I need to to coin that with you. I'd be interested in the chat if anyone else has had to purchase airplane Wi-Fi to also get out a press release or respond to something quite pressing. I'm sure you are not alone in, in that need for turnaround. So Teresa, entering in 2019, uh, the before times, already uh, the campus was going through some PR elements that needed attention. And then of course, just a few months later, March, 2020, 
we all know what happened from there on. Um, as you look back, what were some critical value-based strategies that allowed you to transition also in a celebratory, exciting way, as well as establish brand reputation and credibility? Wow, that's a, a big question. There's a lot packed into that. So I'm going to start with the excitement that you have as a new leader. And when you have made the decision to commit yourself to a new university and to lead it, there is this bit, a time of discovery that is just so precious and you don't ever get that time back, right? So the first time that something happens on the campus, it is full of, you're just full of wonder about it. If you're not, you're in the wrong place. So my beginning at the institution in July of 2019, I had already created this really active voice on all of these different social media platforms. And let me share a secret. I guess it's not going to be much of a secret once you watch this or, or listen to the podcast, but I truly joined social media to stalk my own four children. Like that is why I got all these social media accounts because they were living their best lives and in some ways with my money, <laughs> um, no kidding, to view that and to get these glimpses into their lives off in college or, you know, as they were doing these amazing things and they were processing through it as young adults, I could see it happening for them. But in the meantime, I'm also watching it happen for, you know, six, 7,000 of other people's kids. <laughs> And so what a tremendous opportunity to do that and then also connect with parents or connect with other higher ed administrators. And so it's just been, you know, this wonderful journey of starting for purely selfish reasons and then really pivoting to continue my selfishness. Don't, don't think I don't still stalk my kids, but uh, to move that forward into a new leader on campus, it was my opportunity to show the rest of the world the excitement that I had about the new place. And to sort of honor each of the very distinctive traditions, customs, things that I was experiencing for the first time with the wonder of a, uh, a freshman who's seasoned. <laughs> so not worried or scared, not wanting to get involved. Instead, I'm the leader of the place. So every single thing that happened, I was automatically invited into and felt welcomed at. And if every freshman felt that way, my gosh, can you imagine the retention rates are through the roof? So... It was looking at it through that lens. And Rachel and I often went to all these things together because she was also documenting my reactions to some of these things. And so it was really fun to have that opportunity together because it helped us form such a good and close partnership and relationship. And I got to experience a lot of that with her at my side. So that was just a, a really neat way to begin a new relationship. And so I was at the very beginning of school when we had what I think we can only call sort of this international PR crisis on campus that became that, something that uh, was a, a grievance that came forward and that truly hit ESPN, BET, CNN, I mean, like you name it. And it was sort of this crisis of conscience and values of the institution where one, it's shocking how one person's action can cause many people to question the values of everyone at an institution. And so it was an opportunity where I got to sit with Rachel and the team and our marketing and communication department to say, let's start with what we value. Don't be distracted from that. 
Let us keep with our mission and our values as an organization and continue to keep those at the forefront of all of our communication. That was a really powerful time for us. Again, bonding as a team and really having to dig down and find out what each person stood for. And as a new leader, you are going to be the one who should be role modeling only the best things because your your university deserves only the best. And so grappling with that and communicating out broadly, and especially where some of the messaging was about personnel issues or grievance and some of that's confidential, explaining that while remaining transparent, man, I was leaning hard into how can I be transparent, but also uphold the law and the confidentiality that's to be interested. And so Rachel and I probably spent hours strategizing just how do we do that? How do we grapple with these two things and and sit on either side of that fence at the same time? And so we made the decision again to come at it with our values and came out with communication about, listen, you're going to question what we value. And people will use a lot of words. We're not going to do that. I'm using action. Here's what I'm doing. Boom, boom, boom. Action items, all of which are surrounded by and focused on our our values as an organization. Um, I think we did an exceptional job. It was not easy. But there is no question about our alignment with one another as we're communicating now as a result of that situation. And digital leadership is all a communications approach of value space, knowing that you're going to both have celebrations and crisis probably within the same hour. I think the other thread to pull out is just how activated the two of you were from the start in that time of discovery period that you're the freshman with experience too and documenting that. And then just for those listening, this might be a great conversation to pass on to some leaders that might just need to be reaffirmed of different ways of being and working with your marketing professionals. Again, kind of hearing the insight and the outcomes from um, Teresa's perspective. So Rachel, as we look at logistics now in 2021 compared to 2019, what does your strategy and coaching look like behind the scenes for your chancellor? And what is all Teresa? Like when we, if we go to Twitter or different platforms versus what are you and your team creating? Yeah, so we are really lucky that I do not have to run any of her accounts. (laughs) Um, I certainly help her. I tag her in things that I think she will like to share. And my role in her social media presence is making sure that she is well represented and represented in the ways that fit her voice and her vision on our institutional channels. So if you go to at Teresa Riley on any of those platforms, you will see her exactly as she is. And I think that is so important. That has shaped so much of how I coach other professionals and how I, you know, think about the role of a chancellor on social. Like she said, we went through some difficult conversations in those first few months and then straight into a pandemic. So looking back, it really allowed the the two of us to be close and to be vulnerable with each other and deep dive into what drives us, what we value, why we're here, why we're here in higher ed, but why we're here at UAFS. So I know her as a person. And I genuinely like her as a person and I respect her as a person and I have a pretty good understanding of her needs. And so now as we're in 2021, I am a little more able than back in 2019 to guess what she needs. So if I see a tweet that I think, oh, maybe she needs to just like FYI on this, I'll just send it to her on Twitter in a DM 
here you go, just FYI. I also know when something will need to be discussed when we need to say, hey, can we can we set a meeting? Can we talk about this? And set a little more time to strategize or discuss. And now, two years down, we really get to start doing some cool stuff. So we get to start looking at strategic plans and capital campaigns and doing some like long-term planning. And that looks a little different than that, hey, here's an emergency or, hey, we're going into a pandemic or let's have an after-action review of something, you know, that's been devastating to our campus, like having to shut things down. We get to look at the future. And so that's really exciting as a communicator to be ready to move not past those crisis communications, but to see a path forward and, and the light ahead. Yeah, I think it's definitely the transition to being proactive and strategic in our communication versus being reactive to the, the situation around us. So I think it's just a tremendous opportunity to work together on that envisioning our future as an organization. And one of the ways that, uh, you know, I'll just brag on, on Rachel, if uh, I could have a minute to do that here, although I'd do it all day if you'd let me, is that when I arrived, one of the things, I mean, Rachel's far exceeding any position description anybody ever thought of. And one of the areas that I heard a lot about while I was interviewing for the position and when I first arrived was that people here are incredibly humble. And um, I always describe it as hiding their light under a bushel. And so as a result, they're really not out telling our story because they're afraid that sounds braggadocious. And so I know that our marketing and communication professionals know differently. And they had established this really amazing campaign around our pride and we're the lions and um, had a lot of imagery to that, had built a really great campaign of it. And one of the things that I think went with my arrival, it meant some chancellor investment into our branding, marketing. So truly, I know my job. As chancellor, you make the resources happen and then you get out of the way of the great people. Like, that's what you should do. And so it was amazing that um, Rachel and the entire team in marketing communication, university advancement, all of these different groups came together and formed uh, a new brand, brand pillars, common language that we could use to explain what we do that is transformative and special at this place, while still understanding that people are humble about it. I, I'm not even remotely humble about it. Like I will brag all day long. I'm the biggest cheerleader. And in some ways, that's what I'm, I'm paid to do. But you know, I'm truly bragging about the great outcomes of the education here because of people like Rachel and the rest of the team who do the hard work. So it's been amazing to launch brand new websites because we have a brand new web platform. In my two years, new brand, brand pillars, all new marketing materials, getting that training out about how to communicate and tell our story to a variety of campus constituents and community constituents, and then ultimately to, to roll out a brand new web platform and training the users now so that we're decentralizing our website. Um, wow. So for those of you who are on this call, and you're listening to all of that, you can imagine, oh my God, all of that in two years. <laughs> and they've managed to accomplish all of that while using all these different modalities and PR, we, you know, everything to do with our, our press, our 
our journalists who are constantly inquiring about things for the institution. And so whether that's print media or it's our, our television stations, radio stations to manage all of that as well. It's just, it's an um, amazing amount of coordination that it goes into it. So I, I respect each and every one of you who are doing that work because this is not easy. And it is real easy for someone like me to get on social media and shoot my mouth off. And so what Rachel hasn't said is that we're close enough that if I were to be out doing something, she would absolutely be able to redirect and say, maybe we shouldn't respond to that one. Please, for the love of all, that is good. Please don't do that, Um, which has been helpful. You have to have that level of relationship and trust. So, okay, my bragging about Rachel, I'll conclude <laughs> for now. Uh, no, I think it means, well, I'm sure it means a lot to Rachel, but also to those tuning in that may not receive as much thank you, um, let alone the loud praises that you give to everyone in this industry. You can also, you know, just tell from, you know, your groundings in your comm major to the priorities as a chancellor is about branding and communication and relationship building. So Rachel, let's talk a little bit about trust and building trust as um, whether folks have a brand new president or chancellor or they've been there for some time. Many times we're talking about attempting to get access and the ear and the understanding, let alone training of technology skills. Mm So what has been kind of critical ways and successful ways that you've done this in the past? Um, And how might we even see that on the fly for some folks that might actually mean you get on a calendar, get on their calendar weekly or every other week? What have been some other strategies that have been helpful to build your relationship over time in, in maybe some unique ways? Yeah. So I might let Teresa talk about how she gives me access but I can talk about how I ask for it, right? So um, I think you have to remember as a communications professional, especially if you're thinking about someone, she's very open. She's open with everyone. She'll talk with everyone. So that has been easy for me, but it's not always like that with the president. And so just remember that it is an incredible act of trust to let someone else speak for you, to let another human who is, you know, fallible and can make mistakes be your voice and even advise you on how to speak for yourself. You know, people who are in positions of power have been doing this work for a long time without the advocacy of communicators. And so when you come into a position and you're set, you're told, it's time to let someone else write your quotes, that's scary. You know, that's a lot of trust in, in understanding that someone else can speak your voice and walk your walk. And so Treat it like any other relationship where you're building trust, you know, get to know the person, get to know what their goals are, what their needs are. A thing that I tell a lot of people privately is get to know what their insecurities are. You know, where are the areas where they know maybe their reputation needs some rehabbing or I can come across this certain way. I think that's something that Teresa was very honest with me about in her first few weeks. She said, here are some ways I can come across that, that maybe aren't positive help me if I do that, you know? And so I had the vulnerability with her to say, okay, here are some ways I think we can say that more effectively, or we can make sure that doesn't come across because you are so great and so powerful and so strong. And then what are areas where they face criticism, even if it's undue, you know, so we are public facing as she says, we run a small city here. So 
where are places where there might be criticism that you can counteract as a communicator? And then bring all of those things to your president, to your vice president and say, here are the ways I can help you fix these issues. You know, here are the ways I can help you build your brand. I can help you support your reputation. And then not only do we have these very valuable skills, but we have data. Like in social media, we have so much data all the time. I've been really lucky to have been heavily invested in. So I have lots of media monitoring software and social listening software. So I am able to present a full booklet, if you want, you know, hundreds of pages on here's how everything that you've said in the past month was received, or here's how the senior staff as a whole is perceived. Here's how the university is perceived. And so we have the luxury of being able to put numbers to everything we're saying. So if you are really struggling, you've tried to get them to trust you, you've tried to share your experience, show them the numbers. You know, you have these numbers at your fingertips and that's powerful. I always refer to it as speak the love language, whether if it's faculty, pulling scholarship, some executives with the data. Teresa, how has that data helped inform you in other ways you've given Rachel access? So I will tell you probably one of my proudest moments was when Rachel came in. I hadn't been here long and I had put out something and I don't even remember now what it was. That's how inconsequential it was in comparison to what Rachel said. She walked in and she showed me sort of the the reach and the impact of some of the the, um, different communications and different modalities. And she said, and your tweet on Twitter was the most liked and popular thing we did this whole week. What? I mean, I'm telling you, it may not have been viral, but it might just as well have been based on how that felt. That felt so good. Um, It was reaffirming. Now, if the message was different, because there have been weeks that was not going to be the message, right? It wasn't like, yours was the most liked. It might be, yours was the most boring. What are you doing? (laughs) So. I don't think it's going to tell me quite that, but the truth is that it's like, how do you create this sense where you can walk in the door and tell me this didn't work or this did work? Let's do this because I do see the evidence. I think as leaders, we don't have the luxury of just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what will stick. We have to have data informed practice. And so I agree completely with what Rachel is saying about that level of sophisticated analysis. But then also, I would suggest having the ability to walk in the door and deliver that news no matter what. So I can't get defensive about that. That's the the fact. And ultimately, there's no point in being defensive. I'm the one who created a communication, so I better be able to stand behind it and say, okay, you're right. We do need to change how I communicate with this audience or um, how often I'm doing something or when. So I will say my calendar, Rachel has complete access to. So every single thing I do where I'm going to be at which times, and literally that's personal and professional engagements, she knows it all. I think she knew my wedding before I had announced it to my children. She's like, it's on the calendar. Oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. Uh, Because I got married about a year ago, almost a year ago. And um, so I know, so exciting. And so it was really important when I first arrived, the chief of staff said, so 
I just want to check in with you on this calendar thing, because most chancellors are pretty protective with the calendar. And so I don't know who you want to have access, but I've already had a request from Rachel to know if she could have access to it. I'm like, sure. (laughs) What have I got to hide? My life is lived in a fishbowl. If you've ever lived in residence life, like you've lived on campus, you know what that means for sure, because you've lived it, like every single action you take, everything you do, people are around you all the time and they see it where you work. So as a chancellor, same, um, whether I'm in Walmart, I better be wearing my university brand. I better have my mask. I better have my things that that stand out. I don't forget who I am wherever I go. I'm that person and I don't ever divorce myself, nor would I want to, from the role that I play here at the university. So I have to do that on social media just as much as I do in person with anyone else. But that access to the calendar allowed Rachel to know, oh, this is going to be her first time attending something. I want to be there to like experience that. And my guess is she'll want selfies, which I do. I'm a huge selfie taker. So I love to do that. I love to get students in the pictures. I love to make sure that it's action oriented. And I use different platforms for different things. So you're going to find I'm using Twitter for more narrative concepts with students or to comment on things that they're posting about. I'm going to use Instagram primarily for still photos, but really action oriented, sometimes video Obviously, Snapchat with video and um, and TikTok with a lot of fun, creative things. And that's been so helpful during a global pandemic where people just wanted to connect back to the campus they love and maybe couldn't be on it. So it was fun during that time, although also awful, if that makes sense. I came into work every single day. I was in my office on this campus every single day because I was not around anyone else. Everyone else was working remotely. And so as a result, I was taking videos and creating video content so that people still felt like they were connected even to the campus squirrels that I'm pretty sure are animatronic and sent here to watch me and make sure I'm actually working every day. So I had to create my TikTok around that. Like the, it's watching me to make sure I'm working and I'm here. I'm at your, I'm on campus guys. I'm, I'm earning my keep. And it's been helpful then for her to know what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, when I'm doing it. And we often send each other little TikTok videos like, oh my gosh, I just saw this from this school and would love to create something like that. Or why don't we challenge them to a dual, you know, I mean, it's, it's just fun to see that happening on lots of campuses that we can engage with them as well. So that's another thing that we've done. Little strategy that works. I might add that she's a really good sport. So (laughs) if I send her a video like, hey, can you dance about this? Or uh, she had told me, I think in a text or maybe in a, a forum that she had set up a volleyball net. And so when we were remote, I had several of our volleyball players do a TikTok where they were like volleying the ball across and then it would come down in front of the other person. And she went out there and made her kids film her with her volleyball. (laughs) And so she's such a good sport. And the fact that we can communicate on all of those platforms, you know, she doesn't have to download a TikTok to send it to me. I'm on TikTok, she sends it and we're watching it at the same time. It's so nice to just have that open relationship and communication. And we are sending each other a lot of things that are just cute or fun. And it balances the times we have to have difficult conversations because I can say, look how cute this is. Or she can say, hey, get the mascot. (laughs) And, And we can strategize a little more simply 
beyond the times when we have to really plan and calendar and think really far ahead. Yeah, I think people have enjoyed just watching something that's authentic and fun. There are not enough things that happen that are celebratory and just fun and lighthearted. And we do it because we enjoy each other. We enjoy the place. We enjoy letting you see how this really is and operates every day. We enjoy helping you build your spirit and esprit de corps. And so that's has been one of the joys of working together on this. We do that constantly giving each other feedback. And then there are things like, oh my gosh, your dog's behind you in our video. Atticus, how are you? Like we're, we know each other on that level now that we've seen each other's homes. We've, you know, been introduced to the intimate parts of life that like, you know, normally I probably wouldn't be in your house, Josie, but there it is. <laughs> and so I know. And so as we've done that, we have to also keep in mind what that means for students or for our employees who don't want you in their homes or share with other people. And I, I remember one day being on a platform with an employee who was literally sitting on the floor of his bathroom. So this, I don't have another place to go to talk to you. That was really pretty um, surprising, unexpected in some ways. And then ultimately uh, we just went with it. But I think for all of us, it's also remembering what else you're showing people in social media. What else is there that you're not talking about? It's not really the part of the video, but remembering the background and the context for everyone. Um, It's also important for us to remember we have so much privilege. I mean, we do. We have the ability to dance. We have the ability to speak and to hear and to see. And we have the ability to use these platforms. We have the commitment institutionally with our funding to invest in some of these things. I don't ever take that for granted. And so it's important for us to also just acknowledge that and realize that the people who are part of this discussion today um, have very different levels of access to some of the resources we're talking about. And we have had to build from the ground up. Our institution was a two-year community college for the first 70 some odd years of existence, uh, 71, I think. And then we've only been a four-year institution for the last 20 And so for us, it's been about maturing the messaging while still having fun, while enjoying and remembering that the majority audience may be traditional college age, but we also have a lot of adult learners and people who are coming back to college as seasoned professionals in their career paths and wanting to complete that college degree. And so we need to make sure we understand every student audience and every employee audience and all the other stakeholders. Well, the relational approach, both on the screen and then behind the scenes is is very, very apparent. This next section, uh, hopefully will be fun. It's going to be a bit of a rapid fire, rapid fire as in I'm not going to mute you, just, you know, succinct answers uh, because there's a lot of common questions I get often about executive branding from usernames to bios and and debates in there. And, you know, audience, feel free to chime in with what you think your answers would be too. So rapid fire, we'll start with Teresa first for this one. Do all presidents or chancellors actually need to have individual social media accounts? No, 
I don't think that they do. I think they've got just to decide, is this a brand that's associated with this place or is it my brand? Is it who I am as a person? So once you decide that, you know whether it needs to be yours because it goes with you no matter where you go, or if it's your identity wrapped up in the place where you work. And if so, then that better stay with that place. Okay, Rachel. Yeah, she's right. No, <laughs> the, the answer to that is no. And I think it's it's also because do you have the ability to add value with an account? So are you adding to a conversation? Are you able to commit your time, your very valuable, precious time as a leader to having an account? And is it going to communicate something that isn't already being communicated? If everything you post is already being posted on your main channels, you don't need one. And why would you spend your precious time doing that if it doesn't benefit you or the institution? So yeah, no. (laughs) My answer is also no. We didn't share answers before, I swear. And community can tell when it's a ghost written account, if it's not authentic. And again, is that an asset to the institution or even to that leader? Or if it's just becoming another busy to-do list? Because you can feature your leaders in your main institutional accounts versus having their own, especially if they're not actively involved. Okay, we've squashed that debate. Next one, the most common question I get is about username and bio. So is it at Chancellor Riley? Is it at Teresa Riley? What should people think about as they create a username or does it even matter? Rachel, we're gonna start with you. Yeah, so obviously Teresa is at Teresa Riley. You know, that's her account. She came in with it. She had built her brand. And I think it's really effective and really important that she is herself there all the time. So if you are looking back, you see her full resume of experience at higher ed institutions. You see all of the things she was doing at Kingsville, all of the things she was doing before she ever came here and the relationships she built with students at all of the places she's been and all the places she's spoken And that's valuable. You know, that brings something beyond what she's done here. You also get to see her husband and her children. And that is very real and relatable. Um, If you follow her on Snapchat, you get to see her cats. Jerry is my personal favorite of her three cats. He is a tripod. Um, (laughs) But, you know, you really know her. And I think that is so valuable. And that's something that we can't recreate. So I feature her all the time on our channels. I love content that has her in it. She does photo shoots with us. You know, I said she's a great sport, but it's because that it's her account that she has so many followers and such a dedicated following. We do own the account at UAFS Chancellor, just in case, (laughs) but we don't want anyone else to have it, right? But But it's closed. You know, we have it turned off. We have it private. It's important to think about your brand and who could, you know, be accessing those accounts. I know that's a huge problem on TikTok right now is people holding account names hostage, but she is herself on social and that's powerful. So I think that, you know, if you want your, your username to be your institution, that's okay. But think about why are you going to own that? Is it going to stay with you when you leave? Is it a inventory of the work that the chancellors of the institution through history have done? Or is it about that person? And that's a decision you have to make. Okay, thank you. Teresa. Okay, so my parents already made my life really hard by spelling Teresa, T-E-R-I-S-A. 
very few people in the world spell it that way. Uh, they said, if Lisa can be L-I-S-A, then Teresa can be T-E-R-I-S-A. I have literally no idea why that was important. So I constantly have to tell people how to spell my first name. Adding much more to it, I think, would make me even harder to find on social media. People will sometimes have our time just with the first name. There was a period, and I remember my children saying, you know, mom, there's a, a big push right now for women who have a doctoral degree to own that and to include it and add it to the social media handle. Are you planning to do that? And I said, I'm not, not because I don't really appreciate the hard work that went into earning this credential. And I'm very proud of it. I'm proud of the place that I studied. I'm, I'm proud of the information that allowed me to know and process differently. However, I just want for people to find me. When you change your handle on any of the social media accounts, it reduces the likelihood that people will be able to find you. And we have put out a number of things, whether that's on social media or even publishing, that tell you my handle is at Teresa Riley. <laughs> and so if I add something to it and it makes it more complicated to find me, then it's not doing me any good. Uh, the uh, spell checking always says you misspelled her name. I'm like, no, I'm not. Back off, Grammarly. Um, I, I need I need to add it. Okay, and so my view is, again, who do you actually want to connect with you? Do students really need to know the title? Or are they actually going to be searching that term? And to keep it simple, know if they already had a presence before. And like Rachel said, you might want to grab up other accounts for just branding purposes that are held uh, as potential options too. Okay, last one, and this one might be a little saucy, is who owns the brand of a campus executive? Do campuses get to keep a leader's username or account if they set it up for them? I'm gonna start with Teresa. Yeah, absolutely. So if the campus is setting it up, they should absolutely keep it. And any account that has UAFS for us that identifies as this campus, we need to have that password. We need to be able to make sure that as people change over in their jobs, as students graduate, and, and we've got these great accounts that had a following, we don't want to lose the ability to pass that to the next person or next leader or student, right? So I firmly believe that if it is a branded account, it should belong to the institution. And that, and again, it's not about going in and altering that account content. It is truly about being able to pass that forward so that you don't lose the followers and the people who want to listen and, and interact with that account. Okay, Rachel. This is someone who has listened to me preach about our social media policy more times than she would like. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think if your institutional accounts are branded, if your central communicators are creating that content, the university owns that just like we own any content that we're creating for our design, that we're creating for photography. But if you are helping an executive, so I coach a lot of our executives on campus, if you're coaching someone through how to run their accounts or, you know, helping them plan content, that isn't necessarily the universities. It's, it's just about what you are asking them to do and how much of your time is invested in that. 
are you working with these people as a coach or are you working with them as a content creator? And I think that's where you draw that line. But, you know, Dr. Riley gets to keep all of her photos of her cats when she leaves here one day, hopefully in a very distant future. At my retirement. That's <laughs> your retirement. Um, so this this one is um, is complicated, and again, it might depend on what the uh, leader is coming in with, as well as where they're going to, and how um, well branded that next institution is or not. I do think you need to have in the back of your mind you might not retain this if that person has an approach like Teresa, where it is so much her. And it would almost feel odd if all of a sudden someone else is showing up in the TikTok feed of your next president, because like even that branded element. So I think it depends. And I would just say too, um, that's why it's so important to have these conversations early on building that relationship. And of course we don't own any of these social media platforms anyway, right? Like who knows what Facebook and Meta and Instagram are doing. That you've got to be able to transition in leadership. We, Rachel and I were talking about this, and, and Josie, I know you and I have as well in a, a previous communication, which is that it, when you are the incoming leader, until you actually have the keys to the office, don't post like you have the keys to the office. The, the previous leader is still in that role until that time. And if you have a transition that can occur and in a collaborative way, possibly in some cases, that is true. It's almost like a hand the baton to the next runner. And you could actually do some of that on social media if both parties are available, particularly at the time of, say, a retirement um, and the new person's been selected. They could actually do some of that social media transition, which is a lot of fun and it could be pretty inspiring. But I know that I was super careful when I was coming here from another job where I had worked for 12 years and really loved the place, had a great position, lots of great opportunities there and um, wanted to honor that and acknowledge that leaving is hard when you love a place. And yet, when you get the opportunity that I got here, there's just no chance you turn that down. And so I was so excited about coming here, but I wanted to honor then the person who was still in an interim role so that I didn't appear to be the chancellor until I was the chancellor on my first day of work. I didn't want my social media accounts or anything else I did to reflect as though I was encroaching on that person's honored time Um, because that's what I would want. No one told me that. It's not something you get trained to do. It's just something that, again, takes you being empathetic and kind of sitting back and saying, what do I want if it's me? If this is my situation, how do I want this to go down? Um, And so that's how I often reflect on it. And sometimes that means entrusting some of that to a person in your media or marketing communication department to say, maybe I don't know this leader. Can you tell me what you think they would want? Yeah. And she mentioned earlier that I followed her around for her first few weeks, but she also did a sort of meet and greet before she was, she had been appointed, but wasn't here yet. And so we had a conversation where I sort of just like stalked her and said, Hey, so like, can I say this? What do you want me to call you? We can post both of you and say like, this is what our interim chancellor is doing, but Hey, our, our chancellor appointee, I think that's what we settled on, is here for lunch and you can go meet her. And that's very exciting too. And so 
balancing that is something that you guys can do together. You know, I think that if you have someone who is cognizant of that change, then you can really work to make it seamless for everyone. You know, students might be afraid, faculty might be afraid, they don't know what change looks like, and you can ease that transition on social. Well, so Rachel, one of the questions in the chat, is there a social media onboarding component for new executives at UAFS or at other schools? Yeah, I offer coaching. I think that the executives at UAFS who are interested in that do know that I offer that. So considering in how you support an executive, you start with why. So when I have anyone come to me, um, our vice chancellor for advancement is really excited about social media and loves numbers and data. And he will be so excited that I found a way to weave him into this conversation. (laughs) But he came to me and said, hey, I want to be more present on social. I want to be better at it. I know it's valuable. I know it's important. How can I do that? And so we sat down and talked about why. And you can find in the Campus Sonar, Liz Gross book, Fundamentals of Social Media Strategy, a template for content matrixing. And so I do that with executives who are interested in improving their social media personally. And so this is all work that he'll be doing on his personal social media. You know, it's not, it's not content that we're creating, but helping them matrix that content. How are you going to add to the conversation and help people know who you are? So are you going to be inspirational and a thought leader and, you know, everything is going to be sort of accessible to everyone? Are you going to talk about your career here, what you have achieved at UAFS? Are you going to share your family? I would argue that you should, especially if you have super cute kids and a beautiful wife like he does. So I think it's available, but it's not something that we necessarily have always done. But I would encourage everyone to read Fundamentals of Social Media Strategy and see how you can adapt that content matrixing system to helping your executives, because it's really something that you can grasp, that you can understand, um, that you've done before if you're a leader, and you can apply it to social media in a way that's really meaningful and really helpful. I would also mention that we, you know, under Rachel's leadership, we have created a lot of guidelines, training materials, so that ultimately, while there may not be a formal onboarding process, there are rules, processes, and procedures around this and best practices. And so um, she's mentioned, you know, one of the areas where she's helped to coach, but the truth is there are also some guidelines around this for our institution. And there really should be at almost any institution to have an idea of what is your property, what is institutional branding, um, and what are the differences between these? Uh, You know, I know a lot of people who put something in their bio about, you know, tweets are my own and not reflective of my institution. And I'm certain that there are people who work at an institution who, um, believe that they won't be seen as the institution. However, if you are a chancellor, that's never the case. You know, the voice will always be seen as the leader of the institution influencing, you know, those around them. And so it's important to remember that. You do not need that line that says sweets are my own. Wherever you work, they're going to find you. <laughs> so <laughs> just, just don't even bother. Just know that you are you wherever you are. If you are using your real name, you are everything that you are representing. So just take that out. (laughs) And with it being holiday season coming up, you can drop my book on any of the desks of your campus leaders, digital leadership and higher ed. 
You can read about Teresa and many other examples. And there are exercises that leaders can do on their own or in groups. And then, of course, I do a lot of work with new and transitioning campus leaders and the work with their marketing teams to be a support system and aid for all those involved. I have one more fun question, and then we'll open it up to questions in the chat. So rapid fire. That last one was not rapid fire. I don't know where we went with that. I'm just kidding. Okay. Pumpkin pie or apple pie? Rachel. I am a heavy believer in apple pie. I love apple pie. I do make pumpkin cookies that my kids demand in a really aggressive way every year. So they're pumpkin pie cookies. That's my choice. Second choice. Okay. Okay, I mean, while I believe in apple pie, I also firmly believe in pumpkin. And I'm a really big believer in a chai tea latte with nonfat milk, maybe over ice, because that tastes like pumpkin pie in a cup. So just want you to know pumpkin is going to be my answer. That's interpretation. And said, I'll take any pie with a la mode ice cream. And we've got people it. in the chat saying pecan. Yes. Yeah. Oh, drop yes. it in. Let's have pie debates. Bring Absolutely. it. Bring it I'm not even debating like all the pie. Yes. Just okay. bring it all. I love it. Okay, so we already have our first question that I'm going to glean from, from uh, Steve. I'm wondering if anyone in the workshop works with a university president that regularly shares content on his or her own personal TikTok account. Um, The question was, we have a president who embraced the platform and really enjoys making videos, has almost a thousand followers, congrats. But would that be better served through a university TikTok account where he can occasionally guest star? What do we think? Why not do both? I mean, I think that's part of the um, fun of the platform is you can have your own platform. Often you will link in the um, narrative section, you know, before you post your institutional handle, but also you should definitely guest star in the university, especially as it could send a message to a different audience and and show your support for something that's happening. So Rachel might be able to talk about our day of giving videos and things that we did here that were about getting the message out broadly and how we use TikTok for that. Yeah. So Teresa does have her own account at Teresa Riley on TikTok. Um, And we have our account, our institutional account is at UAFS Lines. And she regularly guest stars, but that is not what her account is about. Her account is about showing that she has fun. And so I don't have any problem with her posting her own videos. They don't always work for what we are trying to do, which is not to say that they're not important or valuable to her platform. But I don't think you should necessarily squash content that could be good um, and could be engaging and fun and relatable just because you want some of that content on your institutional page. So when we want something really fun from her, I'll ask her to do it for our page. And um, we sort of have an understanding, okay, I'm not going to post this video because that's for the institutional page. That's something that's fun. So for a day of giving, we all did um, the bibbity bobbity boot and we all changed into our day of giving shirts. And (laughs) I spent way too long outside with Teresa saying, okay, now jump, jump. No, no, not like that. Differently, like jump differently. <laughs> yeah, but too I'm high. Like, I'm an old lady. I don't. What kind of jumping situation are we in here? And she's like, no, on the X. I made an this X. This is on what the we floor. have to do for TikTok. 
His job. Yeah. And so then we pull it all in and make the transition seamless. And it, it was beautiful and everyone loved it. Um, but it was adorable. Yeah, you know what what is the fun sort of curated content that you're gonna use on the institutional account. And so if you have a president who is active on a platform and you think, oh, I just wish, I wish we could be having that engagement. I wish we could have that, that kind of content that they're creating, that authentic voice. I would encourage you to either share it so you can share TikToks, of course, or if it's another platform, send them a message and say, hey, I would love to be using this kind of thing on the institutional account. How can we make that happen? How can we work with you? How could I send our videographer? You know, Dr. Riley said that she loves selfies. We have a bingo card, a UAFS bingo card. And the most popular square is take a selfie with the chancellor. And people will track her down and be like, it's the only square I'm missing. You have to help me. So when she's taking selfies and posting them, that's great content for her feed. And then I get to take photos of her taking selfies. And so that's one of my favorite photos to take of her is her with some students, you know, phone out. And that shows who she is. It shows that she's doing that kind of stuff on her page, but allows us to work together with that kind of content. So nobody's losing engagement. Nobody's losing out. And I think a leaning into, especially TikTok, I think there could be some fun duets or like challenges to like bounce off between the two platforms. I mean, even on Instagram now, you can have co-branded posts that could show up both on the institutional account as well as like your president or chancellor. So awesome. Okay, there was also another question a little bit ago about calendaring. Uh, editorial calendars. Should we have specific social media editorial calendars for our campus executives? I think that's a great idea, but we don't do that. (laughs) I think it's awesome. I think it would be great to be planning a little more forward with all of our content. But after 2020, (laughs) everything was changing so fast that we just sort of set the calendar on fire. (laughs) So we don't do that. I think it's a good idea. I think it's an important idea if you have to create all of your content at once. So if you get four hours with your president and that's the time you have to create all the the content and, you know, you have them change jackets or change ties so they can move across, you know, the needs that you have, then yeah, you should be calendaring it out and planning. But when you have someone who can create so much of their own content, maybe you just go with the flow. So she's at an event, you know, and I can say, here she is at this event. Or here's a selfie she took with, you know, the vice president of this organization. And we're able to use it a little more fluidly. Is that the answer? (laughs) I will also mention that although planning and calendaring is really excellent for preparation for big events and activities. Those are some of the things that I think are are meaningful in terms of the calendar. Um, Some of it just needs to be spontaneous when it's your own personal account. Very little of that is going to be a scripted and, and scheduled thing. Often it's about what's happening here in front of us right now that we want to be able to capture live and show how dynamic the campus is at any moment, which is really fun you know, leaves are changing and falling. And I saw some students outside who were taking some graduation photos on a beautiful campus. And I'm out like, okay, hold on. You take your photo, but I'm going to take a photo of you taking a photo. And they're like, oh, are you in charge of the social media? I'm the chancellor. I just thought it was really cool to see you out here using your campus 
to show how proud you are and excited you are about your achievement. And I'm so proud of you. And I get to hand you your diploma. So let's meet right now. And this is awesome. I'm just, I wanted to capture that minute in my life as much as in yours. You know, so some of those things don't even have to make it to my social media. I decide that later, but that's spontaneous. It's, you know, that moment of time where you think, wow, I am so lucky. You got to capture those moments every time you can get them. I think this is another element tapping into the frequency of your specific leader or leaders is Teresa captures content already. It's part of her DNA on the go as a storyteller. You might need to be that voice of reminder, like when you go to this event, make sure to get this photo or I'm going to send a photographer with you. There are some examples where... um, Presidents have an entire content calendar built out. I think that those are more frameworks where the marketing team is much more of the content creators and on the extensive end ghostwriters. Um, so we've seen more extreme examples as well as like a Teresa or a Walter Kimberl who is all of his own stuff. I think there is opportunities as we further strategy of campus leaders is where do we, like Rachel said, pre-plan and strategize in the future to make sure we're activating certain periods of time, certain messages that's going to align with the institutional accounts for capital campaigns, more bigger campaigns that we want to make sure that we're all kind of um, nicely streamlined and, and advancing. Okay, we'll see if we got time for a couple more questions. Also related, Christine asks, how do you find make time for creating content? It can be challenging for busy campus executives. So I think that's another place where having access to Teresa's calendar is really helpful. When we were just now talking, I thought of how excited I was when I saw on her calendar that she was getting her COVID shot. And I probably texted her more times than were necessary. Don't forget to take a photo. Have someone take a photo. Hand whoever your phone. You have to take a photo from you. And but it was great because it was one of those examples where we could show our commitment to something without having to say, go get your COVID shot. You know, here she is. She's getting her shot. We are working together. And by the way, here's when we're having our campus clinic. And so we can use that content in a variety of ways. So knowing where your executive will be is a good way to sort of curate content on the go, but also from events that you can use later, thinking ahead. But we also do photo shoots. So we'll book two hours with her team to make sure we get photos of her interacting with students. And we'll bring in student government association and we'll follow everybody around campus and get them in the library and, you know, get them walking past the iconic campus landmarks. So we do create some content in advance and then we have that to use later. So I know I try to get her out when the leaves are red, (laughs) like you can see in the trees behind her right now, but also in the spring when students are first back on campus or when she comes to big student events like our freshman welcome event. um, I think if you go find her on Facebook right now, her profile picture is her with students at Cub Camp, which is our freshman welcome event. And so making sure that you have a photographer at those places or even you are at those places with your cell phone or you tap a student to follow her around with their cell phone, curating that content gives you more to use. So you might not be planning these posts super far in advance. You might say, oh, here it is. We need to talk about this thing or, oh, we've just gotten permission to host a vaccination clinic, but you've gathered that content in advance. So thinking about where you can start gathering content and then you can use it later. 
I will also just say it doesn't take much time. I think, you know, Josie knows this story. 10 seconds can make a huge transformational difference in how people see you and whether or not they think that you are in their corner. Retweeting something that a student organization posts because it's super important to them can make all the difference for them knowing their chancellor is aware and sees them. And one of the things that I do every single day without fail is on every one of the platforms that I use, no kidding, I go in and do a simple search for our university name and for uh, our abbreviated UAFS. Because ultimately that comes up with a lot of content from people who've invited me into their conversations without knowing they've done so. And so for me, that takes not, some days that takes a long time because then I'm grappling with what I've seen and read and I'm strategizing it and I'm concerned about it or I am proud of it. It just depends. You never know. Something different every time you look is what you're going to find. But ultimately, in the the time that it takes to look at every one of these platforms, I could do it in 10 minutes in some days. Some days, it's important enough that I come in and say, clear off my calendar for this morning because this is a biggie. And I've learned that somebody tweeted about harassment or sexual assault or a concern they have with something happening at the university. And it's often where social justice issues are surfacing. And that's not something you deal with fast. That's something we are going to be dealing with our entire careers, our whole lives, that we want to show our support and our just ultimate care for every single member of our community. And so sometimes we do need to sit and and work through, I'm reading this, I haven't responded to it, but it deserves response. Sometimes it deserves strategy. You know, some people who are more likely to complain on social media platform than they are to fill out a work order or something. And so one thing that Rachel and I would be remiss if we got off this you know, particular chat without talking about are the anonymous accounts. The ones that, it, and if you're not familiar with these, please go look for your university and, you know, maybe include the word barstool <laughs> or, you know, bad or trash or whatever. So as I got here, um, there were several anonymous platforms and one was, I think, broke at UAFS and bad UAFS. And the truth is these parody accounts made me a better chancellor out of the gate. So I know that sounds surprising. They are out there to make fun of you. They are out there to say you are trash, like the dumpster fire of 2020 sort of relationship, right? So the truth is that when you listen, pay attention, respond to the things that are serious with strategy and joke and have fun with the account when it's clearly a joke, then that makes all the difference in the world for how those accounts begin to perceive the institution and reflect it. And so there were frequent times where I still have no idea who ran any of those accounts that people graduate, they move on, they go to, you know, they pass the baton of their accounts. And recently I realized I missed my parody accounts. It's like they all graduated and nobody took them on because right now people are exhausted. And why take on another account? Why take on another thing? And so 
I just posted and said, I miss my parody accounts. Where are you guys? Like squirrels at UAFS. Where are you, Bell Tower at UAFS? Where are you, bad UAFS? Like, come on. Because sometimes that was how I learned the voice of students without any breach of anonymity, without anyone fearing retaliation. And then often those folks would send me private messages and say, it meant the world to me that you worked on that. And no one had to come and tell you this was a problem. You just fixed it. Well, no, you told me it was a problem. And so you deserve for things to work right on your campus. You deserve the best things. So it's up to you to tell us when things aren't the best that's the only way we know to correct them is I'm not living your experience every day. So that is a powerful tool. Embrace it. I know some people will strategize against or around it, like embrace it. When you wonder, are they having fun with you? Is it a funny thing? Ask. I'm like, I know you're joking, right? I think you might be one of the first chancellors that have asked for parody accounts to come back, but the way that you interact um, and banter and have fun with anyone that's activating in a conversation around the campus. One thing that also didn't come up for me to share about Teresa, not only is she so authentic, the digital intelligence and emotion that she shares, she says she loves her students. There's empathy and emotion that can be communicated in digital forms that goes a very, very long way. And even the skills of social listening, that could be another takeaway from today to coach. It's not just what you post, it's how you consume and use these tools to better understand what's really going on on your campuses. Teresa and Rachel, thank you so, so very much. This was so, I hope, very helpful to folks to be able to feature a team approach that's very based in relations and values. Um, thank you, CupRap and Volts and all attendees that are checking this out, either live or in the recording. A couple quick announcements before I turn it over to Paul. As I shared at the very beginning, we know there's so many challenges happening for marketing pros and all higher ed pros right now. And that's why I'm um, doing a series of free retreats called Renew in December and January that we're just going to hold space and be spacious as well as strategic together. So you'll get a link about that if you or any of your team are looking for some processing space that you won't just be talked to or at. You'll be talked with within community. And then, of course, you can find me at Josie Alquist, my new digital community building cohort launches again in January, where we give social media training, especially to new social media managers that you might be bringing on. Thank you so much for all the interaction in the chat. Paul, I think I'll turn it over to you. That's great. Thank you again to, to Josie and Teresa and Rachel. What an outstanding session today. It was just tremendous. And again, thank you to Volt as well for the podcast that they'll produce out of this. I hope to see all of our CupRap members uh, in March at the annual CupRap conference in Lancaster. Thanks a lot. Have a great afternoon.